Hello and welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Uh, today I'm your host, Elliot, and I'm June, joined in our virtual studio from all over the planet by Doug. Hello. Right, so today we have a very special guest. His name is Phil Escott. So Phil is a health writer, blogger, personal trainer, novelist and drummer from the UK who has spent many years in the health and fitness industry, running a gym, writing for many magazines and training hundreds of clients successfully. Due to a crippling bout of inflammatory arthritis in 2010, which were reversed by natural means, including an ancestral and seasonal low-carb diet, addressing EMFs and circadian mismatches, and then emotional balancing, Further intense study revealed many secrets of healing normally hidden behind the misleading conventional medical and health dogma. Reversing so-called incurable illness has taken him to knowledge he would never otherwise have discovered. It has deepened his relationship with himself, his loved ones and his fellow human beings in general and given him a deep confidence that all is very much well with the world. It takes some time to discover, but illness on any level is a true gift, which modern society tells us to ignore by blotting all of the painful but essential symptoms with dangerous pharmaceuticals. Through illness, we can read all we need to know about what we need to heal at a deeper level just than, physic uh, than just physically. Phil's aim now is to share this knowledge with as many people as possible to help them attain their health and happiness goals too which he does via public talks, YouTube videos, Skype consultations, and his website at pureactivity.net. He's also published three books, including an Amazon Kindle bestseller on healing autoimmune conditions and his own journey in detail called Arthritis, The Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me, with a foreword by well-known neurosurgeon and medical visionary, Dr. Jack Cruz. So welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you very much, Elliot. Thank you. And so, just to start off, Phil, could you could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your story? Um, you said that you 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 had an autoimmune condition, and so um, where did that really all start for you? Well, you know, it, it quite often we um, we get something serious and we think that's where it started. But if if you look back over the years or the decades, you can often see that. Uh, it started a long time before that. So when I look at it, I think probably it all started about the mid eighties in, uh, in my early experiments with, um, with, with long-term vegetarianism when things started to go wrong. And then the early nineties, when I was in a band and my wrists started to be so painful, I'd have to put it in a bucket of ice in between sets. And this sort of came and went. Um, I got at the end of the 90s when I, I, I took over a gym and ran that for about four years. I got pretty, um, before that I was doing um, sort of mountain biking, uh, a lot of mountain biking stuff and um, writing for the magazines, doing route guides, doing a lot of exercise. <clears throat> but when I joined the gym, I, I got into really abbreviated dra uh, training and got quite big and whatever and, and thought I was quite healthy, but still I had a lot of joint issues. And then sort of coming off the more, uh, in, in quotes, healthy vegetarian diet onto, onto your sort of pizza and pasta type thing through the, uh, the 2000s and up to 2010, I, I put on a lot of weight and all sorts of uh, issues started to come up, all sorts of digestive issues, skin issues, always overheating. I was definitely very inflamed the whole time, couldn't take the sun, uh, ended up with... Um, 
fatty liver, liver cysts, kidney stones, as well as the psoriatic arthritis that hit at the, at the end of 2010 when both ankles really inflamed and my, uh, my knee and everything went. Um, and, and, and that's where it got really bad. And, and so, yes, the end of 2010, I was, uh, I was in a proper mess. And because of my vegetarian brainwashing, mostly coming from <clears throat> the sort of spiritual side of things, being a, a long-term meditator and yogi, if you like, I, I thought, well, going even more vegetarian must be the answer. So I ended up vegan and then raw vegan. And um, yeah, I lost a load of weight, but it was also most of my muscle. And I ended up coming down from sort of 15 stone, which is what, something like 210 pounds or something, to about nine stone, which is um, 125 pounds. And I was really emaciated. Actually, the last, the last sort of 15 pounds of that just disappeared on low carbon cold thermogenesis, which kind of ripped everything off me. But most of it was lost on uh, just tons of fasting because every time I ate anything, I'd have horrible reactions, however healthy I thought it was. And um, <clears throat> all, that, all, all that juiced spinach and oxalates gave me the most horrendous kidney stone that got stuck in there for, for uh, three months. It was in my ureter. It was only actually really painful for a day, but that day went on longer than the rest of the three months. And, uh, you know, I had to have that lasered out. And then they said I could never eat meat again, you know, pro well, never eat much protein again. Of course, no kidney stones since then and living on pretty much 100% meat. So, yeah, it started, it, I started to notice that uh, a lot of the conventional wisdom was nonsense, which I kind of always knew. But then I started to notice that all this stuff that I'd studied was mostly nonsense as well. Uh, the way that they've interpreted Ayurvedic medicine and... Um, you know, thinking that's a vegetarian science and then getting too hung up in diet and not realizing there are other aspects to it as well. But anyway, eventually discovered um, low carb and ketogenic diets and, and that really helped and pretty much got rid of it. But in the last three years of being fully carnivore, um, things have improved again so much. You know, there was nothing overt really symptom wise, but just energy and well-being and everything and just being able to stay lean despite stuffing my face and all, all these extraordinary things that I just kind of wish I'd known decades ago but um, there we go and that, that sort of brings us up to the present where I just um, Skype people and help out and continue to study hours and hours a day I mean it's a it's a never-ending quest isn't it you just you know, there's so much more to learn all the time and so there we are that's where we are now Certainly. Um, what I would really like you to know, and I'm sure the listeners would be interested to hear as well, is you said that you went onto the ketogenic and, and sort of low carb diet. And this is really quite common now. But what was it that gave you the idea to to completely cut out vegetables as well? Because typically on the low carb and ketogenic diets they really do emphasize um lots of fiber lots of green vegetables spinach kale and whatnot so what was it that spurred you on to really take the leap and and go really just on the pure meat diet do you know what i'm i'm, I, I'm not really sure exactly what it was it was it was it was just a few things that that i started to find like the anderson family you know, and they've been on ribeye steaks for 20 years now or whatever and, uh, and and how well they were doing. And 
you know, looking at Owsley, the bear, Stanley, who is the Grateful Dead's um, sound engineer and made all, all their LSD and whatever. And, and he lived on meat only for 53 years, I think. And I just started to think, oh, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder if these little niggles that I've got left are um, anything to do with vegetables. I've never liked vegetables, really. They, to, to me, they've just been sponges for butter. You know, so I I haven't, I, you know, if I, if I cook up some broccoli and eat it without anything on it, it's it really doesn't taste very nice. And I, I doubt if anybody really thinks it tastes that nice. I, I might be wrong. <laughs> Most people say, no, you know, you need a load of butter on it. And, and so I just thought I'd drop them out. And I noticed the days when I couldn't be bothered to cook vegetables, I felt better. And so over a period of a couple of months, they just kind of fizzled out. And, and it was such a relief. I, I found them very boring to cook and annoying to shop for. And you always had that sort of compost drawer in the fridge where things were going gooey at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just, you know, I was glad to see the back of them really and just felt better and better. And after that, after I started to really look into it and um, all, all this stuff came up with Georgia Reed, you know, and about the poisons in vegetables and how with people with autoimmune conditions, the starch in vegetables can take, um, take all those sort of anti-nutrients and whatever further down into the gut where they might activate Klebsiella bacteria and which has such a, a, um, a connection to autoimmunity. And I started to realize that when I was really sick, if I had a load of vegetables, I'd, I'd feel horrendous. But if I had a bar of chocolate, I didn't feel anywhere near so bad. There wasn't really a reaction. Mm. That's not saying a sugary bar of chocolate is that good. And, and to a diabetic, I would say that it's probably more important to cut loads of chocolate out than it is to cut the vegetables out. But if you're autoimmune, I'd say it's the other way around. Obviously, best to cut both out. But it wasn't causing the reaction of, of the fibrous veg. And although my digestion was an awful lot better than it was when I was vegetarian, um, it, it, even on the, on the keto diet, it, it, it wasn't anywhere near as, as good as it is now on, a, on an all-meat diet. And that, I think, is something that we're seeing in an awful lot of carnivores is, is just how wonderful the digestion is, you know, how perfect your turds end up after, <laughs> after, after years of, of just exploding several times a day. And, and the relief of that alone is marvelous. I think, you know, if you, if, if you search really, really well and, and, and you find these things on PubMed, you can find these things like there's a study with 64 people that shows that you know, constipated people and they cut all the fiber out of their diet, expecting them probably to explode. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, all their digestive issues are disappearing. And it was pretty much all of them. It wasn't just, oh, look, a couple are OK. Maybe it's OK for some people. They were saying, we're going to have to really reconsider our thoughts. You know, the World Journal of Gastroenterology was saying that. And, and, and if they're reconsidering all their thoughts about about fiber and and the results that that we're seeing i know that uh, you and i are on at least one group at least one group in common my group you're probably on many others like i am too but you're seeing this story many times people criticize it as anecdotes but when they get into the hundreds and thousands you've really got to take notice and so yeah it was it was that really just realizing veg aren't really necessary now are fruits and things necessary i don't really have a problem with them maybe Maybe they're great for circadian signaling at some times of year. I don't think they're necessary particularly, uh, particularly in the north, particularly in the winter. It's all down to light and seasons. Um, perhaps we only ate fruit because it was for, for the benefit of the bushes and the trees to spread their seeds. But um, 
you know, I can't remember the last time I saw an apple tree growing out of my toilet. So I don't, <laughs> I don't think we really have that, that advantage anymore. So I, I don't know, you know, my kids eat some fruit. They don't eat any grains. They, they, they don't have um, any vegetables. We don't have any vegetables in the house, but I've got absolutely no problem with them while they're healthy eating fruits. I don't think fruit would break anybody, but when you're really sick, I think it's one of the things you, you, you have to back up on. I don't think they have the poisons that vegetables do, but um, uh, they're, they're not particularly necessary and definitely delay gut healing. So, so as I'm sure you know, what, what you're saying here, Phil, is to anyone who has any training in nutrition, this is like a heresy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and both me and Doug, we, we do have training in nutrition and what we both were taught is completely opposite of what you're saying. But as as you said, rightly so, is that when there are hundreds, if not thousands of people who are saying the same thing over and over again, we have to start to take note. And um, just for the listeners who aren't familiar, um, we're talking about toxins in plants. So could you just talk about some of, some of the toxins that we're aware of? Because people generally think of green vegetables as like these ultimate superfoods and health foods. And the, the, the toxicity of these things generally gets overlooked or is not very well known. So could you just go into some of the things that might be problematic for someone when they're eating lots of these vegetables? Sure. Well, you know, they're considered a superfood, aren't they? But I guess that's the only way anyone's really going to eat them because, because they taste pretty horrible. I mean, mm. I, 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 don't, I don't mind some of them, I suppose they're all right, but trying to munch your way through a plate of kale, I, I really don't know how anybody ever did that. It's awful, you know, it's, it's, it's just oh, horrible, fibrous nonsense. But when, when you see what's in them, I, I, I'm not up on all the poisons, but you know, there's, there's lectins, which are tre tremendously bad once you, 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 you take in a lectin when you've got arthritis and you see how that feels, it's, it's horrendous. Um, there's salicylates, oxalates that cause the, um, uh, kidney stones so much that people are blaming on the meat and so they give up um, they give up meat and then they end up on kale and rice and 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 they just get kidney stones the rest of their lives um, spinach is is full of oxalates I, I I think that you know there there are quite a few in there I'm not really up on all of them I think if anybody wants to look into that have a look at some of the talks by Georgia Reed uh, I, I forget all the terms of all the different different toxins, but I, I don't know exactly what they're doing. There's, there's, there's all kinds of things hidden away in there, sort of uh, anti-nutrients. The, the old theory is that plants have these defense systems uh, against against being eaten, uh, and they have to have uh, poisons in there. They, they, they can't fight their, their predators off. So I, I think that, uh, I think we always eat root vegetables. I don't think there's the same toxins in those, you know, in potatoes, maybe there's, there's nightshades, which you get in a lot of other vegetables too. Um, uh, but, you know, the nightshades are pretty bad when you're, when you've, when you've got something autoimmune, but you know, yams, sweet potatoes, things like that, probably people have dug up for, for millennia and, and they were okay, but are they necessary? Are they absolutely necessary? I don't know. The, the leaves and fibrous stalks of plants, I'm not sure we ever ate them. I don't think the, those vegetables ever existed when, when we were foraging around for stuff. And I think we'd have pretty much ignored them. They're just things that have really been bred uh, to eat for us. So cauliflower and 
broccoli is something you're very unlikely to come across foraging around in the north of England ten thousand years ago. It's 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 not a it's not a prob it's not a it's not something that's that's natural and most of the fruits are also bred for the sugars now and so it, it most of these fruits and vegetables and whatever are 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 kind of man-made things they're not really anything particularly natural and then you've got all the pesticides and whatever sprayed on them so to me they seem to be um a hotbed of toxins now do i think nobody should eat them not really i mean it, the way I look at it, I have this sort of vision about the gut. I don't know how scientific this is. It sort of seems to tie in with what people are, are researching. But I, when, when I use my intuition about what's happened to me, I get this feeling. Imagine if somebody's got gut integrity of, of 100%. You know, their gut's absolutely fine. They might eat some vegetables, you know, some cauliflower and some broccoli and spinach and, and all of this stuff. And maybe it sort of shaves off one or two percent of that integrity. And by the time they have their next meal, it's probably back to 100 percent again. So they never notice it. They never think that, that there's anything wrong with these vegetables. And for them, there probably isn't. But then if if you've already destroyed your gut and your gut integrity is maybe down to sort of one or two percent or whatever, where if you destroyed them with all the grains, pizzas, pasta, you know, all the nonsense and the non-dietary stuff like Wi-Fi and artificial light that we might come on to, it's all of these things wreck the, the, the mitochondrial functioning and cause a leaky gut. If your gut's already leaky and then you take in a, a whole meal of, of, of broccoli and cauliflower, you notice it. You know, it takes your gut right, scrapes it right back to nothing. And this is probably not exactly what's happening, but in, in my mind, this is kind of how I visualize it. So then somebody is really going to notice that. And as they're showing at the wonderful clinic with um, uh, Zofia Clements and, and Chaba Tot in Hungary, Paleo Medicina, and their incredible results for, for healing up leaky gut, they're showing with gut permeability tests, that the gut never truly heals in someone who's, who's really sick when they still have plant matter left in the diet. So I think this is the problem. Now, if somebody really misses broccoli and goes absolutely wild for it, <laughs> then... <laughs> Which, which I've never known, you know, I'm sure if you, if you, if you reestablish the gut integrity, you can, you can go and hit the broccoli again. But, you know, if I, if, if I'm, if, if I want to have a few, a few vices, I'd rather they were a bit more entertaining than broccoli. So I can't see it coming back. Nobody's convinced me that it's necessary. So until I have some kind of health marker that shows me that broccoli might be the antidote and, and I'm not getting any, all I'm doing, all I'm feeling is, um, increased health at my um, horrendously old age and and things seem to be just getting easier and easier so you know th th there we go i think a bit of a roundabout non-scientific way of explaining it but it, you get a different view of i keep an eye on all the science and i really do take it in and and look at it loads but then i can have to sort of turn it around to how it feels from the inside of having had a really trashed gut and how it feels to to heal it. And I don't think that somebody who eats loads of a good ketogenic diet, and they're really healthy, is ever probably going to notice the problems with vegetables. Having said that, when I started that Facebook group for just 10 friends in January, it's grown to like five and a half thousand people. It's amazing. But I only started for a few friends. And in the first month when it started to grow to a hundred or a couple of hundred, and I started to notice people who were um, doing this carnivore diet just to just to uh, support their partners who are sick, you know. Let's get vegetables out of the house for a month. They can't kill me. I'll go with you, whatever. I started to get posts by them saying, "Wow, I thought I was healthy," 
but now my digestion is so much better my focus is so much better my energy levels are more stable i've lost that last bit of lower belly fat that kind of thing i started to get more posts from the people who are healthy so who knows that it's not going to make them overtly sick i don't think but they might just be really surprised at the results and i always say you know just try it for 30 to 90 days even even a vegan diet's not going to kill you in that time so so you know there you go it's uh, it, it's interesting that 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 we can thrive so well without these vegetables after all the brainwashing yeah actually getting into the brainwashing because that's something that i had a a, a couple of questions about the so the, the the kind of the common um objection to this that you get from people is like probably the most popular one would be where are you going to get your vitamin c why are you not dropping dead of scurvy <laughs> Well, I should be dead long ago, shouldn't I? <laughs> exactly. Because I, I, haven't, I haven't had any, any overt vitamin C since, I don't know, 2015, something like that. Huh. So, oh, oh, hang on. I know why I'm alive for any vegans listening. I had a handful of blackberries about two months ago that I found behind, <laughs> behind me in a, bu in a bush when I was out, you know, in the sun fishing, out with my feet on the ground in the sun. And the blackberries were in season, so I thought I'd uh -huh. eat some. So that's probably what saved my life, you know. It's it's funny, that's what they say about the Inuit, don't they? That, oh, the only reason they're still alive is because they, they eat berries in the spring and, and they search through the caribou stomach contents for for vegetables and they get all this sludge out. Did they really do that? I, I don't know. I It's a funny one, but as far as I can see, and again, I'm no scientist, I'm not seeing anybody coming down with, with scurvy on a carnivore diet. There, there is, as far as I can see very quickly, that, um, you know, vitamin C competes with, with, with glucose in the body. So if you're not having glucose, you need very, very little vitamin C, if any at all. Yes, there's some in, 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 in meat, but is it enough to ward off scurvy? Traditionally, no. So um, what's happening? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I look at all the science, but it's really hard to tell. I don't, I don't put science really above um anecdotes and and when you get an anecdote like something like stephenson's book mm -hmm. you know stephenson went out there and lived with the inuit in 1910 around that time and he lived for years i think it was like 10 years with the inuit and his book is fascinating because he's got no agenda there was no diet wars back then he just really observed what they ate and they weren't really eating any plant matter sometimes they'd go at least nine months with no plant matter at all nobody was getting scurvy um, back then, it seems that the ship's captains knew all this as well. If you had access to fresh meat, you never got scurvy. Uh, the, the, the business of lime juice, you know, and, and let's cure scurvy with lime juice, that, that came up an awful, lot, a, a lot, an awful lot even around then. And it got, it's kind of pushed the meat knowledge out. And really interestingly, in Stephenson's book, he says, this is why Scott's expedition to the Antarctic failed from bad medical advice that don't get onto a local diet. But if you see Stephenson's accounts of, of his expeditions and and how the ones who got scurvy were the ones who wouldn't go onto the local diet and, and who were eating the stuff that they brought with them, which contained a lot of plant matter. So up in the Arctic, they were getting scurvy very quickly on plant matter. And when they changed to a local diet, because they didn't have access to vitamin C up there, they, they, they changed onto a local diet of fresh meat and fat and the scurvy went away. It didn't only prevent it, 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 it got rid of it. So there's something we're not understanding there. And, and you know, the vegans are always saying, oh, you know, the Inuit are sick and, and this and that, and they've got heart disease and they only live to 50. Well, 
you know, if you get an old Inuit, and there were plenty, they didn't have our, our modern diseases. And they were living in that harsh environment that took loads of them, you know, their accidents, animal attacks, you know, probably drowning or freezing to death, the, the infant mortality, that kind of thing. And the studies that vegans quote were pretty much done in the, in the sort of 50s and 70s and things. And long after the grains came through the trading post, and now the, 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 the Inuit are as sick as anyone else. You know, these guys didn't even have a tooth cavity before the before the the, the Western foods came in. It, it just it was unheard of. Um, so they you know they go on about some thickening of the arteries in the heart, but and and this happens with a lot of indigenous tribes. So so did they did they actually die of this heart disease? Uh, I don't think so. I I, I think that um, you know some people have said that perhaps it's due to smoke inhalation in. Um, confined spaces but you know it looks to me like something like their sort of weathered faces their wrinkly weathered faces it's probably just as harmful as that but they're not getting the the plaques and 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 whatever flying around and 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 sitting in the artery walls like like we are from our diets so the fact that meat causes any problems or or, or you're going to die of scurvy from it yeah I, the vitamin c is a fascinating one so i think it's a it's a really easy one to show because we're just not getting anybody uh, getting scurvy on a, on a carnivore diet, it's not happening. What What's really interesting about this, I think, is that science, the way that science sort of operates now is that people try to fit observations into their current theories. And it's it's like the recommended daily allowance for nutrients. There are so many holes in that because um, like many have already pointed out, I think you've spoken about this, Phil, and so has Dr. Sean Baker and whatnot. The the recommended nutrient allowances or the recommendations are based on a primarily carbohydrate based diet. And so what we the only thing that we know about what we need about the, the quantities of nutrients that we require is on a, a, a modern day diet. And so all of these nutrient deficiencies and these various illnesses that come because of nutrient deficiencies um, the the recommended allowances apply to that they clearly apply to that but then when you turn the tables and you go back to this really sort of primal pure meat-based diet no one really knows what you need and i think that the problem is is that when people start applying these nutrient requirements to this other kind of diet the one the, the carnivore based approach um things start to fall apart because like you said you haven't had vitamin c in in almost three years and and you haven't got scurvy so clearly there are things that we don't understand um and so it's kind of like science is is really quite limited in that that respect and i think um I'll say I'm a member of your group on Facebook, um, and just for the listeners, it's called 100% Carnivore and Beyond. And um, and looking through the various testimonials, it's quite amazing to see some of the um, the beneficial effects that this is having on people. And I'm sure you know you're you're much more familiar with all of the all of the accounts on there. But could you could you explain some of the things, some of the benefits that people have had um, from taking this approach to their diet, and and some of the the reversals that people have have experienced? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'll start I'll start off on your point about science because, you know, the the main criticism I get is there's no science behind it. Where's the science? Um, 
you're just a, a shill for the meat industry, all, all that kind of thing, you know, the, the, the attacks that I get on, on YouTube. I mean, yeah, I wish. I wish there was someone paying me to do this. That would be great, but, but there isn't. So uh, I, I take a different, a different view of science, I suppose, where a lot of people, they look at science and then they try and see how this is working in the real world. Well, I, I, t I do look at the science. I really do. I, lo I love looking at it, but I look more <clears throat> at, at results I've had, results other people are having, and then you go and look at the science and say, how is it explaining that? Right. And, and very often, if you do it that way around, you can find a lot, of, a lot of things that are already there or a lot of things that are already written up that are very suspicious. And I, you know, I haven't looked at all the studies like Nina Teicholz has or, or Ivor Cummins. If you look at these guys, they, they've really looked at like, I think Nina's looked at like 10,000 studies and, and realized that only 50 of them sort of half hold up and, and then under closer scrutiny, they don't really. So all this business about meat being carcinogenic, saturated fat causing heart disease. I, you know, I've seen arterial plaques disappear on a really high saturated fat diet and I developed those those arterial plaques on, a, on a, a grain and vegetable based diet so you know I I think that if you if you look at the science with a, a, a view to explaining what's already gone on and also if something in that science is is pointing towards nature this is why I love Jack so much Jack Cruz you know he's <laughs> he's an extraordinary character and, and, and you know upsets a hell of a lot of people <laughs> but but his his view to this is how does nature work how does it do it and then he goes into the science to explain how nature is already doing stuff instead of trying to bend nature to some kind of weird theory and then you end up with people you know and, and to doing this and measuring out that and rdas and 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 taking thousands of supplements and and all of this trying to say well the bloods say this and the bloods say that well instead of that why don't you figure out what happened ancestrally and what happens to people who don't have these these conditions and then take away all the things that we've added since then and see how the body responds if you if you can fool the body into thinking that it's back in caveman times uh, um you know in a in a sort of uh, temperature a light a, a diet an emotional everything um you know electromagnetic issues you know take the, all those away and you find that that the body heals very very quickly um it, it throws off things that people that medical science is baffled by and so you make these claims and people who haven't actually seen it people who haven't actually been on groups like that and seeing things reversed they don't believe it and of course then they get very angry with you because you sound like a real snake oil salesman drink this potion and it's going to cure everything and it's not like that at all it's taking away all the shit that caused the problem in the first place and so what I'm seeing on the group, I mean, God, it, I, I can't think of stuff I haven't seen. I, I've, I've seen, um, you know, so much autoimmunity reversed. I've seen thyroid conditions reversed, which is, you know, a lot of people say keto diets are dangerous for thyroids. I'm no expert on this, but I've been keeping a particular eye on the treatment of a couple of people by paleo medicina in Hungary and how confident they are where they just say, just throw the thyroid meds in the bin. You know, I, I can't say stuff like that, but they are. And they're totally confident, even when the thyroid um, um, markers go right up afterwards uh, to a point where anybody would panic and any doctor would say, you are insane for following this, this diet. Then if you push through that point, suddenly 
it all balances out. And there's, there's obviously some kind of reaction, some sort of Herxheimer, some kickback thing afterwards. But but thyroids seem to be sorting themselves out. You know, diabetes, well, diabetes, I think, is a fairly simple one now. You can do that pretty much on a, a reasonably low-carb, ordinary paleo diet with a few veg. Um, I've seen, well, it cancer, you know. One of the most amazing ones recently was my mum's case because uh, she she was, she was died earlier this year of two bouts of pneumonia. It was nothing to do with, with, with the breast cancer that she had. She was sort of 90, uh, she was 92, 93 when we, we found she had breast cancer. She died at 94. But we, uh, we put her on, a, on an all-meat diet. We tried a load of things, you know, cannabis oil, but she was getting a bit too stoned. And at that, at that age, she was getting a bit fed up with that. But we, we were seeing the tumor reducing. But then we took the cannabis oil away and, and, and it sort of stabilized. But then it started to come back again, sorted out her light environment, this and that. Bought one five-quid bottle of iodine and gave her an iodine protocol and that that reversed the the tumor i've got, I've got a wow. talk on youtube with 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 pictures of that you know she let me put these pictures up <clears throat> it was a talk that i did at the world health innovation summit earlier this year but to some like health professionals and stuff and, and and you can see the the thing disappearing of course you know the vegans say oh well it was the, actually the other way around or you photoshopped it or something you know <laughs> but uh, you know it, it you you see this uh, again and again there's 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 cancer you know paleo medicina are having tremendous results with cancer they're they're reversing um <clears throat> they're reversing the tumors they're stabilizing the tumors and as long as people are 100 percent compliant um there's andrew scarborough you know if i don't yeah. know if you've interviewed him or whatever he's 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 keeping it all at bay with with this and and he's great andrew you know he's eating sort of brains and worms and stuff and crickets and he, he yeah. he's hardcore he eats some some tremendous stuff so you know I've, i what else am i saying well of course the crohn's and digestive issues that's that's amazing i i was speaking to a lady uh just last week and she's had terrible trouble. She's had terribly bad Crohn's, and she's had she's had her <clears throat> what's it called when they they actually take a whole section of the of the bowel out. God, yeah, you know, bowel and, section. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, she's got tremendous uh, obstacles to overcome, and she was in the middle of a huge Crohn's flare, absolutely desperate. And I thought, wow, this is going to be a real difficult one, because all the advice against it, she was just about to go onto Humira. And I got a message from her yesterday, even, and and it was just, I, I've I've been able to avoid this Humira shot, you know. I can't believe it. It's 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 just calmed right down. I, I it's three fucking days. I had this message just saying, I cannot believe this that it's 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 reversed this Crohn's flare. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and yeah, it, it's. I, lots of things I'm seeing, uh, you know, the, the weight loss is, is wonderful. That doesn't always happen, particularly if somebody's been starving themselves with a caloric deficit, you know, for a while, the muscle density and bone density can come up so the scales can go up. But, you know, the, the body composition is, is always better. Oh, God, I could go on and on, but you see all these wonderful stories and, and then people say they're just anecdotes, but they're just not seeing what we're seeing. They're not seeing the thousands of them. Sean Baker's always talking about this, that you know, on his meat heels thing where he's collecting these, these, this evidence um, and, and the zero carb Zen site, Esmila Fleur's site. And 
you see these beautiful stories and you just can't ignore them. They're not all lying. They're not all meat shills. They're, you know, they're, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a wonderful thing that's, that's going on. And yes, we're ahead of the science at the moment and nobody's really particularly motivated to do trials on this. So you've, you've got to do that. But I think what people forget when they say, oh, this could be just a short term thing or, you know, if you tried something else, most people who come to carnivory have been through everything else. You know, it's a last resort because of the brainwashing. They, they've they've been through everything else. They've been vegan. They've been vegetarian. They've tried macrobiotic. You know, they've they've they, they've been keto even, and still I see great results over and above a, a keto diet with when when the last of the veg go. You know, Rhonda Patrick did this interview with Joe Rogan yesterday, and she was saying yes, but the long term thing. You know, all your red blood vessels, are, you know, your, your red blood cells are going to blow up in, in long term, and and all of that. I. I don't know, you know, maybe there will show some disadvantages long term. But the thing for me is it's quality of life over quantity. And if this is is just ripping people's symptoms away that fast and their blood work seems to be fine and they feel great and they're not having any other issues coming in to replace the original ones, apart from a few digestive issues in the first month as things turn themselves around maybe the gut microbiome re re-establishes itself in a different uh, proportion i don't know what's going on there nobody does actually some people pretend to but nobody really does and maybe you know there's a few problems and electrolyte issues in the first month but past that there's just seems to be these tremendous miracles and and I, you know i i can't ignore it and um obviously somebody like Rhonda Patrick is 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 suspicious of it but what I find is the people who criticize it are the people who never tried it mm. <laughs> and, and that's what's happening if, if people have tried it they go oh hang on a minute there's something here yeah I think uh, there was a Joe Rogan podcast with Chris Kresser on and a vegan doctor of some kind as well and he yeah. they also expressed a lot of skepticism about the uh, the carnivore diet and I think what I've found anyway is that it seems to be the people who are really, really immersed in the science, um, really like reading the, the, a lot of the studies, and, and that's kind of where they're taking all of their information from. Those are the people who seem to be quite skeptical because you haven't seen a lot of science on people who have eliminated everything except for meat. Like you don't really see, um, you know, academic studies being done on this. So I think, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a filter or like a bubble for them. It's like if it's not in the literature, then I'm skeptical of it. Yeah, y yes, you do see a lot of that. But of course, they get the credibility because they have science behind them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not scientific. It's not this. It's not that. But for millennia, we got by without science, really. And the, but, but the thing is, you know, they, they say that the science is behind it. They're just not digging enough. They're, it's scientism. They're, they're looking at the stuff that makes it to, to, to the big publications or they're looking at the stuff that gets to, to the tabloid press if they're, if they're, you know, sort of vegan, vegetarian or, or whatever. The people who, who take notice of that kind of science and trust the establishment. But, but there, there is real science. If, if, you, if you look at... Um, what they're doing at Paleo Medicina in Hungary. You look at what's coming out now with Ivor Cummins and Nina Teicholz, the, the new research that's coming out that's really pretty much debunking a lot of this stuff. And what's really exciting me at the moment is um, perhaps the biggest elephant in the room that's always been, there's been glaring hole in this theory is 
now we realize that most diseases are not genetic or or just bad luck or whatever they're, they're mitochondrial and and then you see exactly what the researchers into deuterium are showing it seems to tie in with absolutely everything that the carnivores are finding and that these sort of biohackers are finding and what's so interesting about deuterium i'm just i'm just starting to listen to one podcast and it's it's um laszlo borosh and um and q collins and these two are really leading deuterium researchers it's on the lifestylist podcast you should you should get laszlo on he's, he's a funny guy he's on the group um but he he is a, a researcher he was paid to research into deuterium he was very skeptical he didn't want to do it um and he he found out that it was really really reversing cancer as you depleted deuterium in the system I'll, I'll mention quickly what deuterium is in a minute but he ended up curing his own cancer when his twin brother um also a doctor died of his yeah and and, and you, you know it when you see that perhaps it's just taking away the things that are stopping the mitochondria turning themselves over you know and 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 clearing out the cell and you know this uh, autophagy and apoptosis and and just making sure that the body can clear its own crap up and this seems to to be um, illustrated beautifully in the theory of deuterium, which is an extra, it's stable isotope of hydrogen. You know, I don't really understand this. I'm repeating this parrot fashion, but I do understand that it's something that clogs up the cell and the less of it we have, the better in most circumstances, not always, you know, when you're a child and growing up, that's why they like fruit and whatever, get some deuterium in them. Growing up is fantastic. But when you're, when you're, you're fully grown, you have too much deuterium, you still carry on growing, but you grow fat or you grow cancer. Mm. Uh, and, and this is what's happening with deuterium overloads. And you see people even on ordinary diets when they get on deuterium depleted water, they're, they're, they're clearing up their cancer. Uh, Q Collins, Dr. Collins has been showing this for a long time. Um, you know, Laszlo Boris is showing it and it, it ties in with the paleo medicina stuff, although they're not mentioning about deuterium, but animal, pro, animal foods are very low in deuterium. So to me, this is where Jack nails it beautifully because Jack Cruz, because it's all about light cycles. Why are people totally healthy eating all these wonderful plant foods and, and fruits and everything on the equator? Um, and yet they get very sick and die of scurvy if they eat sort of grains and stuff in the Arctic because they're not de depleting deuterium. It's more difficult to, to deplete deuterium without sunlight, without getting your feet on the ground, without good water um it's it, it it's it sort of ties everything in when you start to look at the science that's tying everything in with nature it blows it blows your mind because it is there it was always that simple i reckon you can probably explain to somebody how to stay healthy in about five minutes but you've got to unwind all of this brainwashing all of these layers and layers of science that's happened over the years that that points to something different but you can explain it to people when you say, hey, you know, we've got all this artificial light and Wi-Fi. Obviously, that's disrupting our, our, our mitochondria and it's, it's, it's making it more difficult to deplete deuterium. We can't stay healthy on the grain based diets that even our grandparents were staying healthy on in this environment. Now, we have to be more strict with our diets. Um, you, you can tell people that the light is affecting it. You can say, oh, and they go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, the light's going in and it's not it's not, it's messing around our circadian biology. And you can you can tell them about Wi-Fi and you can say, well, you understand that, you know, this can dis disrupt things at the cellular level. Oh, yeah, well, that makes sense. 
um, oh, and I do feel so much better when I'm outside and when I go on holiday and I'm in the sea and I've got the sun. Of course, the sun. Yeah, that makes sense. And then why don't you try eating just meat? Oh, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's so much crap built up around the diet stuff that that you've got to unwind it and unwind it. This is why I find it far easier to work with somebody who's been on McDonald's and, and, and fries and Coke. Because you say, hey, eat steak with butter on it all day long. And they go, great, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. But if, 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 you, if you try it with a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, you've got to spend a month unwinding everything and sending them alternative yeah. science and sending them all of this to, to show them that, look, it was probably nonsense in the first place. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. It, it, what it really seems like is, you know, I've, I've spent quite a lot of time, as you were saying, you know, delving into so much of the science, especially with the circadian biology, learning all about, you know, light cycles, their effect on various hormones and everything like that. But when we really get down to basics, it's just like using common sense. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> sorry, it's just looking at how, at how human beings evolved to live how we evolved throughout, you know, potentially millions of years of evolution, you know, you live with the cycles of nature, you eat the food that is in the local environment. So who would think that you could get access to bananas in the January? You're living in the Northern Hemisphere, in, in, in Britain, say, you know, 20,000 years ago, how would you have access to these foods? Would you have artificial light on all day, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, no, you wouldn't. And, and really, like, I can completely understand what you're saying is that it seems going back to basics really does most of the job in terms of, you know, reversing these conditions. But it's, you know, I find especially because I work with people um, who who want to improve their health and to explain something like this, especially on the diet front, it really there are so many barriers to overcome it's like undoing all of the um misinformation all of the brainwashing especially with the you know these smoothies and the nuts and seeds and you know <laughs> kale smoothies and all that we've oh. somehow been de deluded into into thinking that this is somehow healthy but when did ever when did human beings ever you know ever have access to these things all year round and i think i'd just like to say um the the paleo medicina clinic uh, that you were talking about in hungary looking at some of their results and i would recommend all listeners to go onto their website and to look at some of the articles and studies that they've been doing and the amazing reversals um it shows that what we think that we know about nutrition and about health and and lifestyle is so far behind and there's clearly so much that we really don't understand um, and i think at this point like you said looking at people's experience looking at anecdotal evidence this is going to give us far more uh, useful information rather than waiting for the peer-reviewed scientific literature to catch up uh, because people just don't have time you know someone's in chronic exactly. pain you know like yourself you know someone's suffering chronic pain um they just want to get better and i think this is so important um and just to just to ask you about your experience again because you were diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis yeah and you were told that that was incurable and could you just tell us about where you're at with that right now um you know do you still have psoriatic arthritis <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> well, I, I don't know what would happen if I ate pizza for a couple of months. You know, I, I, I don't really know where that would land me. I think that it's true that the body never quite forgets how to how to um, have those reactions. But do I have psoriatic arthritis anymore? I, I, I'd say no. I have I have one knee that has a slight niggle, but it's not even in the joint. It's kind of in the in the front of it. So I would say it's more bursitis. Um, it's, but I think it's just from the years of inflammation. The, the, the bursa got a bit thickened, but you know, I had I had my worst joints were my ankles. There's no trace of it whatsoever in there. That you know, my spine would it would leap around different parts of my spine. It's not in there anymore. Uh, it was in my neck. Uh, it was in my wrist. It was in my jaw. I had one finger that was like a massive sausage. You know, all of this has disappeared. There's no pain anymore. All of those joints, hundred percent, gone back to normal. No damage. No no nothing. But this is a real interesting point that I, I, I bring up um, when when a you see how can I explain this when when you get a diagnosis of something you get um, you you get told that it's incurable you get told that this is the condition but you see there is no actual line that, that it's just made up there's some line of, oh, you'd have psoriatic arthritis, whereas yesterday you didn't or something like that. You know, it's an imbalance that's been going on for a long time and it it gets exacerbated. And I think it comes through into the body when the gut's broken and then your genetics get expressed. It's not due to your genetics. Your genetics just say what's going to happen if you if you cock up, not what's going to happen. It's just a little blueprint. And so the docs say, yeah, right, you have this psoriatic arthritis, but there are so many things they don't know. Like they say, okay, you have this HLA B27 antigen or whatever, and so that's why you've got um, psoriatic arthritis. So then you go Google for five minutes and goes, yeah, yeah, okay, that's why I've got arthritis. But then you Google for 10 minutes and you find out that 80% of the people with this antigen, they, they don't have um, psoriatic arthritis. They never get it. So it's not to do with that. It's to do with environmental factors. So you take down the environmental factors, you no longer have the tendency to it. I'm sure I still have the tendency to it. I'm sure I could put myself back in that agony again. If I spent 24 hours, you know, under artificial light and ate pizza all day long, I, I'm sure I could put myself back into a terrible state. So then people go, oh, it isn't cured. But then again, you know, smash yourself in, in, in the head with a hammer and then your, your skull heals up. Um, are you cured? Does that mean, you know, you can smash yourself in the head with a hammer and your skull's not going to break again? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a funny old thing. It's a funny old concept. But you see, why is it that the rest of my body perfectly sorted? I mean, fatty liver gone. I had rosacea. I had kidney stones. I had, you know, a great shopping list of ailments. They've all reversed. So why is it I still have a niggle in this knee? Well, this is where it gets to the most interesting for me. Would I call this uh, psoriatic arthritis? No, because I, it's it's in the bursa, and it's you know I, it's it's probably the same kind of same kind of process. Although it doesn't it doesn't hurt, it's not inflamed, but it kind of it kind of niggles. That's it. I've got and even let's say when my knee was at its worst, this is this is like on a bad day, it'll be five percent of what the knee was when when it was really affected. <clears throat> but it's the only a joint affected. So. What's happened here? Why, when you say to a, a, a rheumatologist or something, why have I got it in this knee and not that knee? They have no idea, none, zero. 
they have no theories, nothing. Oh, it's just luck. It's just the way that where it goes. Why do I have it in my ankles and not my elbow? No idea whatsoever. So this is when you get into the woo-woo, but nobody really believes this until they've experienced it. If you have some, you know, Louise Hay started writing about this. Was it in the 50s or something like that? You know, healing your body by finding out emotional imbalances in various, uh, how they manifest in the body. And this incredible book as well that somebody once explained to me was like um, Louise Hay on steroids. It's in a seagull, the secret language of your body. Is it the body or <clears throat> your body? The secret language of your body. That's it. So um, this, these just list the various sort of thoughts, fears, emotional imbalances, stuff like that, that can manifest in different areas of the body. Now, when I was living in a house with my mum, uh, you know, we since my dad died in 2003, we'd been looking after my mum. So we lived in the same house, great big house. You know, she had the middle floor, we had the top floor and the bottom floor. We were sort of separated, but not really. And 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 she was a difficult, difficult old bat, my mum. You know, she was uh, she she was uh, very very difficult to live with, and it was driving me nuts. And it was definitely something that I was looking not to try not to run away from. Eventually I found a solution where we, um, we, uh, she went into a flat, I, I, we went into a, a house here and we still looked after her, she was nearby. But I didn't have that sort of uh, influence all the time. That was 2013, my ankles were still pretty bad. Now, when we got in here, there was no change in anything else, but my ankles healed up completely and utterly, never to return with even a twinge within two weeks. And that was when other joints were effect, uh, affected. Now, what happened then? Now, most people would say, well, you know, oh, it's just luck or, or rheumatologists would say probably that's impossible because if you've got one joint affected, sometimes one gets worse and the other one gets better a little bit. You know, they get, they say it sort of goes around the body a bit, but you never get a stage where one joint completely and utterly heals and another one doesn't, particularly two you know so why was that well you look it up and you can see things sort of references that it's trying not to run away from something this would affect the ankles um the knee is to do with moving forward in life we, we're in a, a, a position now where um you know finances are difficult we had a bunch of money it's run out I, i'm having a point where what i'm doing now is just picking up and uh, consultations are coming up and money's starting to come in but it's been a very very difficult time for for a few months and you know this this feeling of not moving forward in life where am i going what am i doing i've got to figure out what you know at 56 years old i think what 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 should what what am i going to do when i grow up you know this this kind of time and, and so that sort of feeling will create something in the knees and i've seen it time and again with people i work with and, and, and you see different areas of the body being affected so this is probably the only issue i am so satisfied with life i have an amazing life a great family fabulous relationship hilarious friends, great musicians I work with. And I've seen different areas of the body heal up as different issues like that have, have fixed themselves. And there's a little still bit of a niggle, little bit of a worry on the financial side and this and that. So there's a little bit of a niggle in the knee. You see, I was I was chatting on the group about this emotional thing and, and Zofia came up, uh, you know, Zofia from Paleo Medicine, she came up, she said, there would be no um, emotional effects in the body if you just were on a paleolithic ketogenic diet like we're doing. And uh, yeah, probably absolutely right. But this is what I keep trying to say to people, the blessing of illness, the, the blessing of when you are that sick, 
you can find all these things that bring down the symptoms and then you can say okay where was all this where was it in the body let's look back at the emotional side let's look at the amount of growing up i've done uh, as a human being in that time i was sick and in the time of fixing it has blown me away you know i've had to look at issues that i really didn't want to look at look at look at sort of areas of my life where i was a complete child or a complete wanker <laughs> and 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 you've got to fix this or things where you're just frightened or, or 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 have some problem with this or that so i don't see any black or black and white i don't see any any line where you cross and you go i had this disease i don't have it anymore suddenly it's all gray areas it's all a very uh, uh fluid process this business of healing and i don't think i don't think it ever finishes because even if you get better than you were in some respects like i am i feel a lot healthier than i was before i got sick in 2010 when i had no diagnosis as such but you know even in those areas there's always the possibility to go forward there's you know life is a is a, is a constantly unfolding process of of of, of awakenings and self-improvement and and you've got to go with that so i, I don't really see a diagnosis seems to be so you know like like trying to fit, fit a lake into a matchbox it's a, yeah it, there's so much more to it it goes so beyond that so yeah i would say the sh the long answer is that the short answer no i don't have psoriatic arthritis anymore i have i have a very low crp very low inf inflammatory levels i you know i don't have any of the horrendous symptoms that i used to have with psoriatic arthritis I have a knee what's happened to this knee is it to do with these emotions is it just that it was so damaged the only joint luckily of the many that i've got any actual damage in is it just that every now and again this bursa is now swollen up and it sort of rubs against something and it gets a little bit inflamed or is it this this emotional thing uh, causing that anyway um it'll be fascinating to see in the long run where this ends up this is only yeah, my only little health journey i have left and it's such a tiny niggle i never really think about it I just, I just sort of look and I think, yeah, that quad muscle's a bit smaller than it used to be, and I probably better go train. But the funny thing is, however much I used to train and didn't lose weight, now I, I find that I retain muscle mass and, and feel so good on a carnivore diet, I get so lazy with my training. But one day, one day, I've got to be, I've got to really think, okay, let's let's have a real um, uh, uh, concerted effort in bringing that 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 slightly wasted left quad muscle up from when the, the knee was so inflamed all the time. So, yeah, do I have any overt inflammation? Do I have pain when I walk around? Does it stop me doing anything? No, I have, I have boundless energy. I play with bands with people younger than me and and and, and I, I, I could just do it all over again, you know, when we get to the end of a gig. And yeah, I, I feel absolutely fine. So, yeah, I think in the traditional sense, I don't have psoriatic arthritis anymore. But in the traditional sense, I don't think psoriatic arthritis even exists. I think there's only <laughs> one. I think there's only one disease. I, and I think that's mitochondrial disruption. Huh. Yeah, that what you're saying is is actually really fascinating, and I think it's again it's an area that's overlooked. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. Gabo Mate, but he yeah. speaks about yes similar things and about um, I guess the problem with the conventional medical model or the way that we look at things is that we see symptoms as these. As, as bad symptoms are bad and we must suppress those symptoms but mm. this i guess uh nat naturopathically this is what they speak about in naturopathic philosophy and other kinds of philosophies is that these physical symptoms may be manifesting not just due to 
um, I guess we're talking, we've been talking about nutrition and, and whatnot and infl inflammation, but rather the symptoms may also be underlying uh, a way of the body communicating certain messages, not just due to physical health, but also emotional and psychological well-being and how various things that we have not dealt with psychologically or emotionally may manifest physically. And I think that really is amazing. And it kind of shines light on, again, it's a really understudied topic, but it shines light on the sheer, I guess, propensity or, or the, um, the, I can't, can't think of what I want to say, uh, how amazing the human body is, yeah, and how it's this dense communication information system, which we really don't really understand much about at the moment. Um, but another thing that I wanted to, to speak to you about, actually, is because, or was, you were saying that you were vegetarian for a long time, and you, and you went vegan as well. Um, but in some of your videos and, and you, the content that you've written, you've spoken about the journey that that you sort of took spiritually and the overcoming the the notion that eating meat was in some way spiritually detrimental and whatnot and there's lots of these ideas that are promulgated as as you've said in the ayurvedic tradition and whatnot and i think there's a lot of misinformation so could you could you speak a little bit about that some of the ideas that underlie vegetarianism and the reason why people might be vegetarian and why you were vegetarian and 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 how you've sort of um grown since that point yeah sure um well i i, I was never vegetarian really from the environmental side of things i i I believed that it was better for the environment, so I always felt kind of smug that it was, but I, I was never manic about that. I went vegetarian just because, you know, ill-informed Indian gurus told me that it was the way to go and it was the least violent and the, the most pure for the body and allow you to reach enlightenment and all that. So this is, I mean, my, my life, how deep can I go on this one? Shall I, shall I really go for it? All right. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think my, my life has been really a, a spiritual quest. This, this is what, where I come from. It's funny to be labeled the meat guy now because it, it's, it, it's really not, not been a focus of mine as such. I, my, my whole life has been, what is awakening? What are these higher states of consciousness? Where can you get to? You know, all the way from when I was a kid and I had all sorts of very strange experiences of sort of unity consciousness all the way through to um, to my uh, <laughs> massive and irresponsible experimentations with huge amounts of psilocybin mushrooms, probably in about 1979-80, um, holed up in Wales next to a huge field full of the little buggers. And, and that, that's just what I've been, what I've been looking for. And my, my sort of introduction into the whole transcendental meditation movement in, in the early eighties, and then moving up to here where I live in Skelmersdale now, which is the whole center of, um, of, of that sort of thing for, for England, they have this dome where they do all their yogic flying and whatever in the morning. I haven't had much to do with it for about 10 years now, but I used to, you know, uh, uh, very passionately and um well i i started to notice that there was 
you know, when I was sick was the time where I really started to notice so many um, misconceptions about diet, as many as there were about spirituality, really. And th there was a moment in 2006, we'd moved back to the dome site, if you like, the, the, the place, uh, you know, where all the meditators live. Well, we moved there in 2004 and I hadn't really been into the dome and I almost had this religious guilt and thinking that I really should be in there and I should be meditating, I should be getting my health back up again. We'd moved back there because my son was, my eldest son was, was, uh, was living near there. I'd taken my mum, you know, who was, who was tagging along then. And, and there was a point in 2006, I remember I was out in the back garden and, and I just let go of everything. I said, you know what, I don't want to go in there. I'm not interested anymore. Something's bothering me about this. And I just want to let go of this whole quest of spirituality and everything. And at that moment, something kind of happened and, and, and the whole universe shifted and it never really quite shifted back again. And I've never really talked about this too much. And, and I talked about it a lot on a Buddha at the Gas Pump interview I did with Rick Archer. It was quite an honor being on that, but I haven't really spoken about it much on the group. But this is what really fascinates me. This is what I think we're all looking for is finding out what our essential nature is. And there was a moment there where it, it just, I had this, um, this absolute understanding of the whole unity of everything. And, and then an understanding of how incredibly simple and basic that is and how it's not really an attainment at all and how it's our natural state and it's 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 the ultimate expression of our ancestral heritage really and all of this other stuff is just little little bits and pieces that went along with it there are probably tribes out there who 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 are like this it, it, it have discovered this state or, or probably never didn't know it you know they're all there they understand the unity of nature they understand how nature eats itself and and how um <clears throat> this has been what's been going on in the animal kingdom and, and among humans for for millennia and they have no problem with with uh you know taking an animal life to eat it and then when you come back from that kind of perspective everything that people are saying about vegetarianism being compassionate it being the ultimate diet for attaining enlightenment it 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 just makes no sense anymore and there was a couple of years where you know about 2006 2008 where i was i was like a child again you know i had to throw out everything i knew about everything and then i got sick in 2010 i had to throw everything i knew about out about health and nutrition as well and and the, whatever happened to me in 2006 was a massive help to me in 2010 when i was sick because it allowed me to to say hey i don't really know anything we're just a collection of our own false beliefs generally mm. which manifest in disease and manifest in the idea that we're separate entities, which is probably the biggest disease of all, because then we get tremendous misunderstandings, whether it's through cruelty and evil, if you like, or, or through compassion, like the vegans, who probably mean well, I think, well, a lot of them actually don't, I think they're just probably angry people looking for something to be angry about. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them are very compassionate, and, and they do, um, they, they do, care about the environment i just had a long email conversation with a, a quite a well-known spiritual teacher that rick archer from buddha at the gas pump put me in touch with he often gets me in these scrapes you know <laughs> and, and uh, he was he was coming up with the same old science that vegans do but at least he wasn't freaking out you know about uh, and getting aggressive or, or anything he's a lovely guy so i have a lot of respect for this dude but unless you got really sick you probably never dismantled that vegetarian dogma mm. and the the ones who do 
or the, sorry the ones who don't get that sick and they just end up like a little bit skinny and emaciated and whatever like so many long-term vegans and vegetarians they don't dismantle that dogma and so they go on believing what the gurus told them that it's um that it's compassionate and whatever and it comes from thinking that you're killing an animal unnecessarily for 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 your own gain but if you actually look and you know we the, the carnivore movement i won't get too much into this because the carnivore movement has expressed this an awful lot that um you know vegan diets and vegetarian diets they 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 ruin great swathes of land destroy the soil make species extinct um if you do believe in global warming from greenhouse gases and whatever right which which i'm really not sure i do that then then they're 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 causing all sorts of problems with that as well um they blame it all on the fact that it's fed to the animals the soy and the grain which it shouldn't be anyway so we all agree on that um you know it, it's it the, the whole picture of it is absolutely ridiculous and when you show it to them they can't see it and they can't see it and a cognitive bias comes in and they can't see the fact that my god their diet has been doing this when you see a vegan who actually gets sick enough and then they discover all this stuff as well they go oh my god and you see this massive face palm and they go how could i not have seen this for ages but the spiritual side of it i i mean to me it's a tremendously spiritual thing to to have respect for that animal and take it take take its uh, its flesh to to sustain you and I just made a little video actually which was which was where i'm just reading out my last answer to 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 this this guy i, I won't mention who he is you know I don't, I don't really need to i guess but this spiritual teacher um about about this and 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 saying really where does ahimsa where does non-violence begin it begins in the home and i made my eldest son pretty sick bringing him up vegetarian. He had an aneurysmal bone cyst. He had to have a vertebra removed from his neck. He was obese at 12. He's, he's 28 now and he's, he's really uh, uh, muscular and ripped and, and, and he looks fantastic, but he's still dealing with a few health issues that from those days. And um, so now with my kids, I've got other kids now, three and 10, very great spacing of age of kids. <laughs> And, and they're doing fantastically well and they're so healthy and I'm not risking sitting over a hospital bed like I did. So knowing what I know, that my genetics can be expressed by plants. What if they've got HLA-B27? Do I go and feed them grains? Because even if I thought that it was less violent, you know, there's no way I'd have, I, I'd, I'd inflict that violence on my kids of putting them through what I went through. So what is compassionate? Where does nonviolence start? Uh, it, it starts in the home. It, it starts in feeding your kids and, uh, the best, you know, feeding your body what it is and alleviating suffering in your own sphere that you have passion for. Now, there's plenty of people out there sorting out the environment like, you know, Joel Salatin, Alan Savory have a much better view of it than, than the vegans do. But what, what about this, um, the, the, this business of nonviolence against your own body? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, vegans. But you say I, I would rather get really ill than kill an animal and I'd die rather than. OK, wait, wait till you have the kind of pain I did. You wait, man. You, you'd, you'd eat your own grandmother if you'd have got back, if it would make you better. Believe me, you, you'd be popping off neighbors and eating them if cannibalism was the was the answer. It really is. It changes your views on that when you are confined to, to a, a, a sofa and you can't even walk to the toilet. And, and it, you know, the whole views are differently. But it makes sense that if if that's your natural diet, if that's your ancestral diet, 
that heals you up why shouldn't it be also the one that heals the planet up you know and it does you look at it and it is it's all falling into place it's just the bullshit is is you, you need to scrape away so much bullshit to see how all of this ties in so beautifully and we could put that the animals back on the land we could you know they they, they would bring back the soil uh quality um we could eat the happy animals you wouldn't have any in in these cafo farms or whatever you know you wouldn't it, it's just, it would be just a happy life quick bulk gun to the death to, to the head a quick death i have no problem with death none at all none whatsoever it, it happens to us all it's part of the universe recycling itself and when you see it as one entity you know and you have this view of it as one entity you can see how this works and i i have a problem with suffering i have a problem with suffering among humans with their autoimmunity i have a problem with battery chicken suffering although the cafo farms are not as bad if you listen to a lot of the the the, the information that's coming out a lot of it has actually been made to seem a lot worse than it is you know i think chickens are, are pretty much horrendously treated and we do have these awful things i have i i have a, a great aversion to that i think we should sort our shit out there but you know if if i could give a factory farm meat to my kid to make sure that he doesn't get sick of course i'm going to do it and and that is where violence begins to me that's where compassion begins and you've got to have compassion for your own body because this is part of the universe this is part of the great computer that 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 we're all part of and you, you've just got to alleviate suffering within your own sphere and what your passion is the people who are passionate about fixing the planet and fixing the the soil and, and the land, that's beautiful. I'm right behind them. My passion is, is just, and my knowledge is about people who come to me with autoimmunity. And when I see them come out of suffering, I just, my heart bursts, it's beautiful. And, and you know, I get a lump in my throat sometimes with these messages I get of these people that I've helped out and people who've helped themselves out. It doesn't have to be me, you know, the knowledge is all out there, you don't need me. Um, and, and so, you know, that's that's what I'm, That that's, does that make sense? <laughs> but long, a <laughs> long waffling answer there but yeah no it's yeah. absolutely fascinating the, the way i kind of looked at it is that uh you know when you see these vegans who are kind of rejecting rejecting the diet that is ideal for humanity um it's kind of a, a like a, a denigration of life itself it's like saying yes. your life is not worth you know this gift of life that we've been given it's kind of like just you know shitting on it really and saying you know i don't want to live in my kind of ideal uh state i mean not that necessarily you know it's not necessarily a miracle and it is the ideal state but it's certainly more in line with the ideal state and it's kind of just rejecting that and saying you know my the life the gift that i've been getting given is uh is not worth as much as as it really is yes beautifully put exactly and so because we have this this false idea that we're separate entities and that we need to be tremendously compassionate to other people and put them first and put animals first and put it's all part of the same thing you know if 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 you're going to really fulfill your destiny in life and do whatever it is that you're here on the planet to do you need to be as healthy as possible so you need to be as compassionate to your body as possible and and then you can help other people to do the same thing so yeah putting animals ahead of you is 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 an incredibly short-sighted way to do it particularly since all the people who put animals ahead of them really i mean okay not all but i would say 99 percent of people are people who are sitting in a, a, a an apartment mm -hmm. somewhere in a big city who've never been to a farm and they probably don't know any other vegans 
so they don't see the health problems going on around them. They don't know any other vegans. They know a few online. You know, their parents are probably eat meat and, and they're having all sorts of battles with their parents and it's ruining the family too. And, and you know, I, I have the fortune, I suppose, if you can call it that, to, to live in a predominantly vegetarian community. And as they get into their 50s, 60s, 70s, I, I'm seeing tremendous disease. I, I lost two of my friends on the same day last year to cancer. And I mean, this is a small community and and they're, they're they're getting very sick with all sorts of things and they're dropping like flies it's a high deuterium diet in the north of england um that they're adopting because some guru told them to mm -hmm. who has misinterpreted ayurveda which got perverted by the hindu religion of not eating cows when really the brahmins were the last ones to stop eating cows and they always realized it was healthy anyway so the whole thing is a tangle of absolute and utter bullshit from from start to finish fooling people with these little half truths that are much more dangerous than outright lies right. and 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 it's making them all sick i'm watching my friends drop like flies i some of them stand in front of me claiming how well they are and those are just the ones that haven't got any diagnosis yet. When I look at them, they don't consider, you know, advanced tooth decay as uh, as anything wrong or a pot belly or gray skin or, you know, uh, they're not seeing that as a problem. But I'm looking at them and I'm going, my eyes and my nose are telling me that there are many things. God, I'm sorry if any of my mates are listening here. But listen, guys, I got to tell you, you've already got angry with me enough on my Facebook page when I when I call you out but I just want to see you recover and the ones who've come to me and the ones who've adopted a lot of these principles they're showing some real signs of improvement and some of them are really healing but it's breaking through that dogma they're very difficult people to deal with because they've been they've had decades of all of this you know as soon as the vegetarian dogma starts to crumble then they start to fall back on the food pyramid and oh well you know the World Health Authority the World Health Organization says it's carcinogenic they can't be lying you know and you're like oh come on you know, you can't see it. And, and there's layers and layers of it to pick through. And they're going, wow, well, you're looking so well. And so I say, well, you know, here's how I did it. Oh, I couldn't do that. Maharishi says that you can't eat flesh. And you're like, well, you know, sorry, but fuck Maharishi on a dietary level. You know, <laughs> let's let's listen to, to, to him for all his spiritual stuff. And all that was beautiful. But please, he was he was no diet guru. Come on so here we go it's 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 a real tragedy to me and it kind of frustrates me in fact one of my big issues with letting go of all of that of really being so concerned about my friends and now i just see it as as their life path this is what's happening and a, a huge bit of my healing happened actually when i let go of that it was a huge emotional block for me of being tremendously affected by how they were being uh, how their health was being destroyed and when i think well it's just part of their path this is what's happening with the universe my um, uh, my illness was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it took me to all of this uh, knowledge and and probably is going to be helping my kids to stay healthy through this this uh, this soup of artificial light and Wi-Fi that we have on this planet now and 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 you know the the um, yeah, I've been tremendously thankful for it so to let go of that real panic about how how ill they all were was uh, was was very cool and and so i i don't take it personally i love it when people heal my heart goes out to them when they're suffering but it, it, it we, in what i do now i can't afford to be really really upset about people who fail you know mm. yeah um that was something really interesting about your story actually was that 
when you were saying when you let go of trying to change others, when you almost like accepted that that was their path, that was their choice and respecting their free will, uh, that was when you really made improvements in your own health. Um, and it's almost like uh, I think that that's the case for many others as well is letting go of this trying to change other people and rather just offering offering help to those who ask those who genuinely ask and I think that's oh yeah I've got, I've, I've got I've got only two messages I've got only got two messages that meat is not evil get away with or get rid of all the concepts that meat is evil so that you can try it as a healing modality if you like but eat what you like and secondly develop your intuition those are the only two things that I think are important and you know developing your intuition rather than blind adherence to dogma and all of that so so yeah I don't I, I, I still appear to be like that on social media where I'm posting these things and whatever and people go oh well you're trying to force everybody else into your own diet no I'm not I, I, I really don't care at all I uh, what 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 any individual person chooses to do when they come to me and they say I think you've got a point and I'd like to try this out because I'm sick and I want to want to see it change then of course I care and, and I care that it when when they get better and whatever but if then they don't or, or they they can't adhere to it or, or whatever and they don't show results although to be honest I'm not seeing much of that because it's bloody delicious and, and, and it works so you know it's not like you're trying to tell people to eat kale all day so you know you 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 do see a lot of success but you know, I so I don't I do I don't have the the personal horror of 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 whatever. Even when I'm talking to vegans, I don't it, it, either. You play with them if they get too offensive, too too much death threats or whatever. I'll block them, but I will play with them now and again, and and I'll, I'll explain to them this and that, and then well, I'll have a bit of a laugh and maybe take the take the Mickey now and again, good natured. But I like to keep I like to keep you know without insulting them or being nasty because i remember what it's like to be deluded in in in, in many many areas of life not just diet and it falls away and and a lot of them come to me you know ones that have argued with me even for years will, will often come to me and say my thyroid's exploded or you know my my my, my ass is not working anymore <laughs> or, you know, or, it, or it's working too much and, and you know you get you get all of these things and they come to you and they go do you know what you 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 had a point I, I won't say right because I don't like the idea of being right or wrong because I think we're all just evolving in our knowledge um, but but they come and they say you know I think you've got something to offer here can I try it and I see tremendous results am I going to kill them five ten years down the line with my carnism as they like to call it <laughs> my eating of rotting flesh <laughs> ingesting of corpses and and you know i i don't think so and and i think that it even if someone's really sick and there are dangers in the long term which you can't see in that it's it's got to be in the meantime one of the best interventions i can see and so it will give them a point of reset you know five ten years maybe of reset that in which case other knowledge might come out of how to mitigate the problems if there are any in different areas probably to do with circadian biology i don't know i'm not seeing it yet but i don't have a closed mind i don't go carnivory is it it's the absolute ultimate thing to do but it's having such fantastic results the best i've found it seems to be the best that a load of doctors and researchers have found so let's wait and see what the next amazing thing is you know hopping on one leg and and, and smoking your neighbor's pubes 
I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what somebody's going to prove is better than Carnivory, but I'm there if they do. <laughs> um, yeah, you've spoken about, and, and other researchers have, have spoken about almost it being almost like a reset diet. So, like, when people have tried all of these other things, like so many people on your group, you know, you try the vegan, you try the vegetarian, you try low-carb, you try macrobiotic, you try ketogenic, and then they go back to this almost like a, a very basic reset diet. Um, and it seems to be, for some people at least, um, like the, I guess, the primary template almost. And for some people, it I mean, I'm not sure on your experience, for some people it may not be effective but it seems that for most people that do it, it it does seem to be effective um but what i'd like to know is if you could tell us a little bit about what what do you eat in a day so say a typical day's food for you and then and then what sort of thing do the other people on the group eat and what do you what do you recommend to people who who are interested in trying this out yeah uh, well again there's lots of variations within it well, I, I, I do see such, I think the results, when people don't have results or, or, or they give up and they say it didn't work, I think you'll usually find that they've done that in the first month where they got freaked out by either diarrhea, what they perceive as constipation or constipation, which, uh, or, or some issues with electrolyte imbalances. So it's all a matter of not preparing, really. If you know how to overcome them and you expect a few issues with them, which some people don't get, but some people do get quite severely, um, depending on how broken they are beforehand, right. um, then they will turn back at that point. But it reminds me of growing dreadlocks, really. You know, there's that first six months where they look like crap and you look like a rat's nest, and then it takes a while for them to lock up. And then after a year, you're all, you're all good. And then they grow like crazy. Sorry, I had dreadlocks for many years. So, <laughs> it's, it, you know, carnivory seems very much like um, starting off dreadlocks to me. You just got to be, you're always going to be thinking you're the only one in the world whose hair's not going to lock up and you're not going to have dreadlocks. But yes, you do. Uh, and then people cut it off at that stage. And that's how they kind of go with carnivory. So they, they, they give up at that stage. But if they have some good support, they get through it and they're fine. And after like 30 days or a little bit longer, if, if, if they're very broken, then things tend to come right. Um, but um, now, it, it, what do people eat? Well, you know, there's this thing about going back to ruminant animals and water. So you go back to sort of beef and water. Some people, you know, ribeye steak and water seems to be the thing. Um, but to me, if, if say you've got diabetes, I think that, you know, anything from the animal kingdom is probably going to be fine. You're going to be fine with, with uh, you know, probably not milk but double cream, heavy cream, butter, um, cheeses, um, pork, chicken, fish, all of that kind of thing, you're gonna be fine with, and the spices that go with it and everything. If you're autoimmune, you're probably gonna have some problems with egg whites, you're probably gonna have problems with dairy, at least anything less fatty than butter. Sometimes people have problems with butter. So some people have to give up dairy completely. Sometimes, you know, it depends really what your issue is within those those parameters. But what do I eat? Well, I, I do eat a lot of butter. I did have to give it up for a while. I, I put butter on a load of things. So, you know, if, if, if a steak's not fatty enough, I'll smother it in butter. Mm -hmm. I, I eat steak. I eat a lot of um, ground beef. We make that into burgers. And one of my favorite meals is is just ground beef done as burgers and then... Mm -hmm 
you cover that in egg yolks uh, and salt and, and it's just so nice and butter you know you get burger and butter it and then put egg yolks on top and then put salt on god nice. you know now that 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 is just so good you don't miss the fries you don't miss the bun you don't miss the toast you don't miss anything that's just too nice and it's all saturated fat and 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 you know and and i'm 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 the only 50 put a guy in his 50s around here without a belly so hey you know what's making him fat <laughs> it, it, it isn't the saturated fat so um i eat lamb i like lamb i think lamb's a great one for people because it's very fatty and sometimes the, the the beef fat in steaks can freak people out a bit so lamb fat you know on a on a, on a uh, um a lamb chop or roast lamb is is much more palatable for a lot of people so you don't have to go the butter route to get a really high fat diet lamb i think is great um i i don't i i miss pork but i don't eat it much because i don't think it's really optimal i think they're fed a load of crap pigs you know they're fed all sorts of rubbish and any old socks and old clothes and whatever that they can find to feed them <laughs> and it, you know it just just rubbish so they're not optimal the chicken always fed on um, you know they're little dinosaurs they're little carnivores and, and and if i could find a chicken that had been allowed to attack mice and eat uh, worms and bugs i'd eat it i'd love it i miss roast chicken but i don't really eat it because it's full of corn and people say you know it's walking corn so so ruminant animals i think are the safest i i eat them i eat fish not not so often i i'm not really a fan of fish when i was really into the jack cruz stuff and and um he was saying a really high seafood ketogenic diet and it did do a lot of benefits for me when i had neurological symptoms and a lot of brain fog i was almost like i had alzheimer's it felt like and it, it completely reversed that going on a big fish fast of sardines and salmon and prawns and whatever i i like prawns in their shells you know they're great you fry them up with some butter and and, and some salt and pepper and crunch them up with the with the shells and everything that's beautiful i don't don't particularly like the, 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 the shop-bought cooked ones. I, I'm not a great fan of fish, but I do eat a bit. I eat organ meats. I, I'm not a huge fan. I like liver. I think I'm going to start getting into brains, having seen you know how nice people think they are and how yeah. paleo medicina say how, how great they are. I'm going to go and hunt some of those out. But um, yeah, I, I, I cook my food. I don't eat. I eat a little bit of mince raw now and again, but I, I don't think it's essential. I think some people say they only find healing when they when they get to raw yeah. um I, I don't know about that i think the high fish thing is probably great for somebody with with neurological stuff if somebody has ms i would i would probably say you know up up the fish uh, alongside the ruminant animals um but that's just you know I, i'm not really basing that on too much except what happened to me and what 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 jack said really uh, paleo medicina don't seem to think that ruminant animals uh, uh need to be added to you know, just just get some brains and get some liver in a couple of times a week. People seem to be fine on muscle meats for a long time. I, I like to cover my bases and and get some organ meats in. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, there there we go, really. And what? How often do I, I do days eating? Well, I haven't eaten today yet. It's half eleven in the morning. I, I probably won't eat till I might get my son. I might leave it until I get my daughter at three o'clock, mm -hmm. and then I might have a big. Oh, I forgot. I've got some uh, a lamb shoulder in the slow cooker, which should be ready by about three o'clock. That's what ah. I'll stuff myself on today. <laughs> and that's that's all I'll have. I'll only eat once today. If I haven't eaten by nine o'clock in the morning, I won't. I'll only eat once. It'll be a big feast. If I eat in the morning, if I am hungry in the morning, maybe alternate days I might have two meals, and 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 it'll be um, maybe nine or ten o'clock, and and four or five o'clock, but no later than that. 
if if I can't eat by five o'clock, I won't eat till the next day. Um, so so, you know, you, you just you can eat so much and get the nu nutrition in, and then the hunger comes up, and it's never a wild hunger. So you can just go on and say, hey, I can't find any food. I'm out. I don't need to eat crap. I can. Um, I, I can just go on to my next meal because you've always got fat to burn and then you can shove in the nutrients on the next meal and you, you never you, you never really get caught out and have to have a sandwich or something it just it doesn't really happen so people say oh what do you do when you're out and about how do you find something well it's pretty easy to eat in restaurants it's you know the only difficulty is getting them to bring enough butter from the kitchen to go with the steak that they've trimmed the fat off you know and then on the third trip back there's always like an overweight waitress who tells you you're going to get heart disease soon <laughs> and depending depending on whether i've had a, 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 any any wine you know i i might respond to that my girlfriend her head goes into her hands and she goes oh my god leave her alone you know so so um yeah it's it just but there's no particular meal like you have breakfast or you have it sort of amuses me thinking of cavemen waiting around for cocoa pops to be invented you know we 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 can't have anything in the morning because all we've got is this bit of meat from yesterday. Jesus, I, I can't eat that. I've got to have some toast and cereal. <laughs> it's like, you know, just, just eat what you would eat for any meal. It's <laughs> whatever you fancy. You know, my body will tell me one day, oh, it's a lamb day. It was today. I, you know, I, I felt it coming on yesterday. I felt a lamb day coming on. So I thought, oh, well, I'll have, I'll have some lamb shoulder in the slow cooker. That'll be great. And, and, you know, whatever your body wants within that area, the cravings for the other shit seems to go away and, and you get more, much more sort of refined um, uh, cravings, if you like. Your body tells you what it needs. And, you know, a, a little while ago, I, like I say, I don't eat chicken. Every now and again, I do. Maybe once a month, every couple of months, my daughter had a birthday party and I stuffed myself at Nando's. For some reason, I was really hungry and I thought, I really want chicken. Hmm. And I did. It was all there. So I ordered the half the menu and ate it and I thought I'm going to feel that tomorrow and I didn't because my body told me that day but if I ate it two days in a row I expect I'd get a tingling in that little burst a bit on the left hand on the, on the left knee and I'd feel just a little gen bit generally worse but so your body tells you it's it's okay today you can eat chicken this is what your body tells you if we could only listen if we could stop squashing the symptoms down with with drugs and uh, and 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 adhering to science oh oh i can't eat that because my app says that i can't eat it <laughs> you know my body yeah. says about i can't, i've got to put it into this program and i've got to and so and so this doctor said that you have to have so and so grams of this a day oh oh look just oh fuck off just uh, <laughs> this 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 information that we got coming in you just listen to your body right. it's so simple that's it really that's 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 kind of my message just is just refine things and take things back you said earlier about that it's a a reset diet it's a, it's an elimination diet and it is it is an elimination diet but you try eliminating back to what most people eliminate to you okay i'll take it all the way back to kale smoothies right <laughs> i tell you what i'll eliminate to everything but steak and water you eliminate to everything but kale smoothies let's see where we are in two years yeah. <laughs> you know it's just it's not it's not sustainable so people are staying healthy on this meat thing for ages and it's a reset diet so hey it's it's got the best of both worlds oh couldn't agree more phil um it's been absolutely fantastic having you on the show and i think we're gonna have to get you on again at some point 
Um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on. But, you know, we're mindful of your time. We know that you need to go. So just before um, we close up, where can we find you? What, you know, what are you doing? You know, how can people find out your work? Where can they find your book and whatnot? Could you give us a little bit of information on that? Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, well, I'm at pureactivity.net, pureactivity, one word, .net. I've, um, it also, philescott.com, I think, points to that as well. Uh, my YouTube channel is just Phil Escott. There's, there's some quite amusing videos on there. I do, I do enjoy making them. I, I, I only started kind of recently and I'm <clears throat> sort of nervous about doing them, but it's actually quite fun. I'm kind of enjoying them. I do them when I'm out fishing. I go night fishing once a week and sit there at the lake. So it's always a nice place to sit and think about them and do them. Um, I've got Twitter on as Phil Escott and I've got that sort of thing. But there's the the, the group on Facebook that's fun. I think there's about five and a half thousand people on it now. Amazed me. I only started it in January and it's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we're we're um, it's 100 percent carnivore and beyond. It's not for snowflakes. We do. There's a lot of toilet humor, a lot of mucking about. You know, if you've got a big sense of humor and a spiritual side, then that's the place for you. You know, and you like steak. It's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of lot of mucking about. People keep reporting posts to me, you know, and I go, what the hell are you doing? Do you know where you are? You know, this is <laughs> this is a place for for you know uh, uh talking about all sorts of things that are a bit close to the bone you know pun not intended anyway so you, you what else have i got i've got uh oh two things i'd love to mention if i can i really can i've i've just done a 30 video course i started off i thought i'll make an eight video course on autoimmunity for all of these aspects from diagnosis to um getting better and coming out better the other side all the aspects and i ended i did it with over a couple of weeks fishing you know and and I sat at the lake and I kept coming up with more and more and more things. And so there's a, it's like 30 videos now of all of these aspects, lots of it on diet, on light, emotions, on deuterium depletion, on all of these things and loads of uh, action plans and links to people who know 10 times more about these individual subjects than me. I think I'm really proud of it. I think it's great. And that's going up in about three weeks. It'll be on uh, Teachable or Thinkific or something like that, my, my marvelous web guy martin franklin is is doing that great old friend of mine and um he's he's putting that together for me and i can't wait to get that out because i really think that could be useful and the last thing is um uh my my lovely friend lynn hardy and i are organizing a carnivore retreat in spain wow. in um in in april it's at the end of april and it's at this beautiful um um venue and we've got some wonderful speakers. We've got Zofia Clements there. We got uh, from Paleo Medicina. We've got Paul Mabry, the zero carb doc. We've got uh, Dr. Jeremy Ayers, who is also on the group. He's, his vision of health is amazing. He blows me away. He's got everything from all the way from carnivory to all the emotional stuff to everything. He's a, uh, a doctor of nature, naturopathy, so, uh, osteopathy, I mean, millions of letters after his name and stuff. We've got Graham Norbury, who I think is the best at uh, explaining all of Jack Cruz's stuff. He'll be into all the deuterium and light and all of that sort of thing. And then we've got me waffling on about my old nonsense. And we've got um, <laughs> we got Zahir Khan, who is probably I ran into him. He's like my brother. We've both done Buddha at the Gas Pump interviews. He's uh, he's he's not your average awakened guru. He's he's very irreverent. He's hilarious. And a one to one with him just gets to the root of everything. He's a lovely guy, very entertaining. So we got that, we got loads of great meat to eat. We've got um, 
all of that stuff. We've got some some great people from the group who are going, who are real good characters, very funny. So I think it's going to be a real hilarious thing. We want to do it every year. It's 25th to 28th. There's details on the group, or or you know you can you can find out from um, from from the group or, or my. I'm I'm about to put a video out about it that will be about the retreat. You know, pretty much saying what I just said there actually. But um, yeah, so th those are all the things that I'm up to, and I'm really looking forward to that retreat. I think it's going to be hilarious. There's some real funny people there, and the no snowflakes. Um, never you mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we probably will. We, I, I, we, we're going to organise that, and and we might, uh, we might find some way to stream it or some. You know, it's it's quite a way away, and we're dealing with the technology on that. But we'll see. Yes, I think they should definitely be recorded. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be such a great event and I think a lot of people will make a lot of great friends and it'll be fun. I can't wait. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Um, and as I said, you know, we're going to have to get you on the show again because yeah. there's so many more questions. We had some more questions, but we just don't have time. Right. Uh, but I want to thank you again, Phil, because it's been really great to have you on. Oh, it'd be and, a pleasure. Um, Honestly, Elliot, I've been looking at your stuff and your knowledge blows me away too. And I'd, I'd love to sort of hear more from you. and. Um, so anytime you want to chat, it'd be great. And I hope, yeah, we're not far apart. We should meet up for a steak sometime. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that would be really cool. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so, so since it's that time, I guess uh, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into the show. And make sure you tune into the other shows. We've got Newsreel on a Sunday. And um, we've got The Truth Perspective tomorrow, uh, on a Saturday. I uh, can't remember the time. So... Uh, yeah, make sure to tune into those, and thanks again, everyone. Uh, see you soon. Well, thank you so much. Great to talk to you, Elliot. Nice to meet you, Doug. And um, you speak to you again soon, I hope. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody.